Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. On your notes, in the Bible, Paul asks a question. Who cut in on you? I have a question tonight. Who cut in on you? Has anybody cut in on you? I'm going to show you a little twist to this tonight that you might not have seen before as it relates to what Scripture teaches here. All right, Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. Notice this. Paul writing here to the Galatian church, which he actually birthed, said, You ran well. Say, Good. You ran well. Notice this. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Say, not good. So they were running well, meaning they were on the right path. They were walking out. Well, obviously, clearly, Paul had led them to understand and receive and know about salvation and their walk with God. And then all of a sudden, somebody cut in on them. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? I'm going to quote Dr. Barclay on this. It's never a what that hinders you in walking with God. It's always a who. And I'll explain why. Well, but there could be circumstances, Pastor, that could lead people off course only if they allowed themselves a who to fall for the what and get off course. It's never, there's never a what that leads you off course with God. It's always a who. Whether that's yourself, you got to realize Satan can use you to get you off of course. You better wake up to the reality. You need to treat, listen, this is so strong on my spirit while we were worshiping. You need to treat every single thought that tries to run you down, belittle you, and make you feel light of yourself. You need to treat it like a nuclear weapon coming at you. And that means you better rise up with every weapon you got, and you better fight back against it and say, no, I'm not taking, into the, taking in any of these lies. And in Jesus' name, I'm going to do what God said. I'm going to use the sword of the Spirit, and I'm going to deal with these thoughts, and I'm going to rise up and be who God called me to be. We are warriors. We're not wimps. So realize that's who God made you to be. So he says here that very clearly somebody had cut in. Who hindered you from obeying what? The truth. Obeying what? Obeying the truth. Eight, notice this. This persuasion, somebody hindering you from obeying the truth, does not come from him, God who calls you. God certainly is not going to ever do anything. God's a who. He's a person. He's not ever going to do anything to cause you to be hindered in obeying the truth. Never, ever, never. Verse 9. A little leaven does what? Leavens the whole lump. So if we allow a little bit of the wrong influence of the wrong people in our life, Guess what can happen? That can affect a huge part of our life over time. It can become a huge problem. So I want to give you a little better understanding about something different on this you might not have seen before. 1A, he says, you were doing so well. Man, you were doing well. You were on the right path. You were going along great. Everything was going along great. Now all of a sudden I hear that you're no longer walking in the light of the truth that you've been taught. 1B, who therefore hindered you? I want you to think about this. And see, I want to challenge you on something tonight to think about this. If there's an area of my life that I'm not walking in the light of the truth of what God says I have as a child of God or how I can live my life, there's a who involved. Whether that's me, wrong thinking, or the people that I've allowed to influence me in some way, but there's always a who that's cut in to cause me to be hindered from walking out the truth. 1C, who stopped you, he said, from obeying all the truth. 1D, guess who it wasn't? It wasn't Jesus. Say, it wasn't Jesus. So realize this. I want to talk to you for just a minute about one of the ways people allow a who to hinder them in obeying the truth. How about when people have done you wrong? See, we only think of this in light of wrongful influences, like people living in sin. Yeah, you want to be careful that people that are living in sin don't lead you astray. What about deceived believers? Yeah, deceived believers can deceive you. Why? They're deceived and don't know it. And if they can get enough influence in your life by the very you know, uh, effect of the demon that's influenced them and form, form a deception, God doesn't deceive people. Demons deceive people. 
You know, it's one of the things that still frustrates me as a pastor to, to watch people who don't understand. Do you know if you're deceived? No. Well, then how do you get out of deception? What's the way out? You got to submit to somebody higher in spiritual authority who can see that you're going down the wrong path and share with you from the Bible, this is not of God. This is not the way God would lead you. I've had people all my life as a pastor say, I don't need to go to church. Who do you think influenced you to believe that? I'll guarantee it wasn't God. Guess who don't want you in God's house? The devil don't. Well, in some way, whether that was another individual or even somebody in that church that may have harmed you, hurt you, or said something you didn't like, maybe not even intentionally. Right? There's a lot of people leave a church because all of a sudden they think the pastor was preaching about them that Sunday. And so now all of a sudden they're upset at the pastor. Well, first of all, I'm not creating any sermon for one individual. I'm, I'm asking God to tell me what I'm supposed to pe- speak. Number two, if you come here and God's going to help you, don't you think God's going to talk about you? <laughs> if God doesn't talk about you, who's he helping? And that don't mean like reading your mail and saying all kinds of bad things about you. We don't obviously do that. Number three, realize therefore at times if you are hearing from God and you're hearing the word preached, God is speaking to you through that message because he's trying to help you. But it still amazes me today how many Christians say, I've got the Bible, I've got Jesus, I don't need any, I don't need any leadership in my life. That's bondage, that's ridiculous, da, da, da. and there are many verses that con- go obviously contrary to that, as we're going to see. But understand this, it's so critical to know that if I'm deception, I don't know it. If you're deceived, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? You don't know it. That's why they call it deception. If you're seduced, you know it. You know you've done wrong. You know you shouldn't have done it. You gave into it. And see, this is still something, as many times we talk about it, this is still something that a lot of Christians don't get between the difference between deception and seduction. Because most Christians who won't submit to leadership think there's no way I can be deceived. Can I help you? You, you, you may not like the answer to this, somebody on the internet. You ready for this? If you don't think you need to submit to leadership to not be deceived, can I help you? You already are. You already are. Because the Bible told you to submit to leadership. Not an individual. The word of God through what they give you that's based on the Bible clearly. Because you're not submitting. This is where submission again is misunderstood. Because I have submission to leadership in my life. I am so grateful for the leadership in my life. I am so grateful for my pastor. I'm so grateful for Coyne Don. I'm so grateful for Dr. Terry Mize. I was very grateful for Dr. Sutton in my life. I was very grateful for George Evans. One of the first times, Dr. First uh, times that I, after being submitted, Dr. Evans came back to us and preached. Like I'm the second time he preached to us. We sat down one day for lunch, and he immediately, by the Holy Spirit, started speaking stuff to me to correct me. Immediately. I mean, just that quick, and I'm like, you're right, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Evans, you're right. I need to correct this. I need to correct it. But I'm telling you, without that help in my life early on, I'd have just kept hurting my life and not realized it. Honestly, I was doing something as a pastor that I didn't even realize. You want to know why? Because if you're deceived, you don't know it. I wasn't being seduced. I wasn't doing something wrong that I knew was wrong. I didn't know what I was doing was wrong. But he did, and he literally, by the Holy Spirit, pointed it out. And thank God for leadership who helped me understand that. Or I'd have just kept hurting my life. I'd have just kept hurting things in my life and aspects of what God obviously did not want me doing. So understand this. you got to know, we are talking about the fact that you got to beware of people that are deceived. These are dangerous people because if they're deceived, they don't know it. That's why the Word of God even tells you, if you see somebody in sin, most cases that's referring to somebody deceived. It says you better be sure that you're mature enough to go to them because if not, guess what? They can suck you right into the same thing. It happens all the time, sadly. So all that's included. But here's a part of what we don't see about who hindered us that a lot of times happens. I see it too much, actually. And we don't get it. We don't pick up on this. How about this side of who hindered you? People, again, that have hurt your life. Because you choose to still allow that to upset you. You, you sit here and say, well, my life would have been better had they not. Guess what? They're still hindering you. They're still hindering you. For you to go back to deal with any aspect of what somebody did to you today, and you're still focused on that, you're letting it hinder you. You know what Scripture says? Forget 
what's behind. That includes what people did to you. Are you still here? So I understand, of course, included in that would be unforgiveness because if you don't forgive people of the past, right, that's hindered you from walking out the truth. But what about if you have forgiven them, but you keep allowing that to affect how you live today? What if you allow that to keep affecting your attitude, your actions? On and on and on I could go. Guess what they're doing? They're hindering you from obeying the truth, walking in the light of the truth. You should not allow any other individual ever, 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 never to keep you from walking out what the truth of God's Word has for your life. Nobody should rob your peace. Nobody should rob your peace. Truth is, they can't unless you let them. I'm going to give you a Dr. Summerall quote. I love these quotes, man, because they've changed my life. Dr. Lester Summerall, my happiness is not in somebody else's head. You listening? My happiness is not in... It don't matter what they think about me. don't matter what they say about me. don't matter what they've done. Uh, my happiness is not in their head. My happiness is in my relationship with God. So the who also would include other people that have hurt us and we keep allowing the things they did to us, the way they treated us, things that happen in that aspect of that relationship. We keep allowing that to affect what we're doing today. I'm going to let what somebody did to me six months, six days ago, six weeks ago, six years ago to keep me from going to church, to keep me from going to my God to keep me from drawing near to my God. And instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to draw near to the ways of the world and go into doing what the world does when they obviously allow this to affect them and get depressed. Are you kidding? Somebody is hindering you from obeying the truth. And you know what the devil's out to do? Let me tell you what he's out to do. He's trying to steer you off course. That's all he's trying to do. He's trying to pull you off of course with God because he's out to... Kill, steal, and destroy. And most people only think Satan does that directly in a a, a direct frontal attack. The devil, most of the time when he attacks believers, doesn't do it directly. Most of the time. It's indirectly. Why do you think the the aspects of what we see of the devil represented in the garden is a subtle serpent? Conniving. Sneaky, hiding in behind the shadows. See, the devil's always trying to work in behind the shadows of your life to affect what obviously God wants for your life. So therefore, you don't see it. The other part about this enemy that makes it difficult is you don't see him. You can see the results of what they do if you pay attention, but you can't see him. You can't see him when when a person walks up to you. You can't tell from the natural that that's the enemy trying to do what? Hinder you. Right? Right? Right. And isn't it amazing how... In relationship to what other people have done to you, they always want to bring it up. Well, that's just the enemy again trying to hinder you from obeying the truth. You still here? What should you do? Say, nope, I'm moving on in Jesus' name. So you and I have to do what? Make sure the who's, not from Whoville, by the way, (laughs) but the who's don't what? Hinder us from obeying the truth. Don't let anybody cut in on you. Amen? Amen? Judges 16. Judges 16. Why are you going to let what somebody did even yesterday? Oh, man, I'm telling you, uh, that that needs to be preached. Why are you going to continue to allow what somebody even did to you yesterday to affect your todays? Huh? Well, they hurt me. Well, let me help you. What they hurt was your your, uh, carnal man, your natural man. You listening? They hurt your feelings. What's that a part of? Your carnal man, your soul. Rise above it, spirit man. And say, so I'm not allowing that to affect me in Jesus' name. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to choose to forgive. I'm going to choose to forget. I'm going to choose to move on with my life. Jesus' name. Quit allowing the who's to hinder you from obeying the truth. God has so much more for us in our life to walk out and to do. Why are we going to let somebody else mess it up? So we're going to go to Judges 16. Therefore, a great example of a story where this happens. How about in the life of Delilah and Samson? Number two on your notes, the Bible tells us that Delilah pastored Samson daily until she broke him down. Why would that happen? Because he allowed it. This relationship should have never happened to begin with. I said it should have never happened. It's not even an issue that he shouldn't have allowed it to go on. It should have never began. She was of, of course, a Gentile uh, you know, aspect of people that were not those who walked in covenant with God, of which God told him to have nothing to do with. His father even said, why do you want this woman? Right. 
This is not somebody that you need to have in your life. God's told us we are not to have such people in our life. And yet, guess what? He disobeyed and went after her anyway. And a lot of times, Christians don't realize they cause a lot of more pain in their life simply because they continue to allow influence that they should not allow. You know, a lot of people look at Samson, boy, but he went out with a bang. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. You kidding me? His eyes were gouged out. Where did Samson die? Where did he die? Let me help you. He didn't die with the people of God. He died with his enemy. God doesn't want you to die with your enemy. God wants you to die with the people of God. There's nothing about Samson's life that's good. You listening? Well, God allowed him this one last victory. Well, so God allowed him in context to overtake those uh, Philistines in that immediate uh, situation, obviously to pull those pillars out and kill them all. But what happens to him? He dies in the midst of all of them as well. That's not a hero. Are you listening? I'm not trying to compare that like natural military. I know people die that we call heroes in foreign lands. But listen, they were there because they're fighting for freedom. Samson wasn't in this situation fighting for freedom. Samson was there because he wouldn't walk away from Delilah. You listening? So you and I got to be careful that we don't allow the enemy who never stops pestering us a lot of times to other people to affect our life. Walk away. Walk away. Judges 16, 16, it came to pass when she pestered him daily, daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was what? Vexed to death. His soul was vexed to death. That he, verse 17, told her all his heart And said to her, no razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I'm shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like other men. A lot of people get, man, a lot of people get hung up on, why would he lose his strength if his head was shaved? Don't know, God said he would, period. Nazarite vow. Here's the point. He should have never revealed this to to Jezebel, uh, to, excuse me, to uh, Delilah. Should have never revealed it to her. Why did he reveal it to her? I'll tell you why he revealed it to her. Because he didn't walk away from what he should not have been messing around with. And if you mess around with the wrong people, guess what the devil's going to do? He's going to keep pestering you through those people. And at some point, sometimes some people put up with this stuff far too long. At some point, you better realize that all you're doing is you're falling into Satan's trap. And you're going to wind up in a position of compromise that you don't want to be in. Can I get a better amen? First and foremost, don't enter into any kind of relationship that you know is not of God. I tell single people this all the time. If you meet somebody and you really think there's an opportunity to build a relationship here, you would only think that, number one, if they were sold out for God and in love with Jesus. If they're not, you're already taking a risk. And number two, if you don't believe you couldn't meet somebody with that kind of heart, now I'm talking about their heart is really set on God. They really have a love for God. If you don't think God could bring you such a person, then you are serving a God far below the one that I serve because he could certainly do that. Can I get a better amen? Don't mean they're a perfect believer. There is no, no perfect believer, by the way. I'm talking about the natural. I'm just talking about their heart wants to serve God. Their heart wants to walk with God. The greatest thing that I loved about Kathy, obviously when I met her, not only the fact that she was beautiful and a, and a, you know, a, a blessing to behold, but guess what? I knew she loved God. Amen. That's the reason we're still married all these years. Amen. Find somebody that loves God. Amen. Delilah did not love God. No. Samson had, had no reason to be, even, uh, be around her. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. The only reason you put up with people that pester you is because you shouldn't have put up with them to begin with. And if you're still putting up with them, you better walk away and end that situation. Or what's going to happen? The Philistines will overtake you. You know, have you ever thought about this? Pastor brought it up at Holy Spirit Conference. Who killed Saul? Who killed Saul? Anybody know? An Amalekite killed him. It was a servant of his that was a Amalekite. You know what God told Saul before this battle that he's in now? Where he died ever happened. You know what God told Saul uh, when, uh, went through the prophet when he told him to go deal with the Amalekites? Kill all the Amalekites. You, know why, you want to know why Saul died? Saul died because he didn't obey God and he left, an, he left Amalekites alive. And an Amalekite wound up as a servant of his. And when he told the initial armor bearer that was actually a Jew to, tr- to thrust him through because the enemy was about to overtake him, he said, I will not touch God's anointed. But when he told the Amalekite servant to kill him, he did. And then he ran to David. And guess what? He took his head off. 
See, Saul's own Amalekite killed him. Because he put up with something God said he shouldn't have. Don't put up with stuff God said you shouldn't have. Like a better amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, are you there? I love these verses. 1557, but thanks be to who? Shout it at me. Shout it at me. Thanks be to God who one day might eventually give us victory. Come on. Who gives us. Come on. Who gives us the victory through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, because God gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, therefore, what should we do? Listen carefully. A lot of people do not understand this victory verse, how it ties to verse 58. But when a verse starts off, therefore, you got to find out what it's there for. So verse 57 is talking about how God will give you victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. What's one of the ways he gives us victory through the Lord Jesus Christ? 38, therefore, my beloved brethren, underline it, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Lord, knowing that, notice this, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. How many of you want to walk in the victory God has for you? Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. See, do not ever stop getting tired of doing the work of the Lord. Witnessing, sharing your faith, coming to God's house, serving in God's house. It's easy to fall prey to what we call the sin of familiarity, even in God's house, where you just come in, serve, do the same thing you do week in and week out, and all of a sudden, now you kind of start getting bored with it. No, 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 no. Be steadfast, immovable, immovable, abounding in this work of the Lord, knowing my labor is not in vain. Every one of you that have served in this house today, you've helped somebody to come into the kingdom. You've helped somebody to get revelation of what God has for their life. You listening? Because without you being here serving, that wouldn't happen to the degree that it actually happens. So you and I, number three on your notes, need to do what? You need to purpose right now. Say right now. You need to purpose right now that you're going to stay steadfast and immovable. And keep abounding in doing the work of the Lord. 3A, you will stay on course all the days of your life if you continue to flourish in His work. I'm going to say that again. You will stay on course all the days of your life if you continue to flourish in His work. 3B, in doing so, you will reap the victory the Lord has for you. Tell me that ain't good. And I'll guarantee you, abounding in the work of the Lord means I'm going to serve wherever I'm needed. Wherever I'm capable of serving. Now realize, you know, if, if you say, I'm going to serve wherever I'm needed, you know, we don't need you in the worship team if you can't sing or play an instrument. We love you, but we don't need you there. So the other side of this is, a lot of people say, yeah, I'd serve if they let me. They just won't let me do what I want to do. Well, we're not here to let you do what you want to do. We're here to have you do what God's gifted you and called you to do. And obviously where we need you. And if you're willing to do that, guess what you're going to do? You're going to walk in the victory God has for you and be steadfast and stay on course. Amen. James chapter 5. Sorry. Well, I probably did get Saul mixed up with Samson and all that. But I was talking about Saul on purpose. That Saul himself was killed because of an Amalekite that he left alive. Because he left Amalekites alive. You understand that? What I was talking about? I wasn't talking about Samson then. Saul died in battle. Not Samson. Saul died in battle with the Amalekites because he left Amalekites alive. And who killed him? An Amalekite servant that was serving with him. If he had killed the Amalekites, that wouldn't have happened. But Saul kind of became his own God, decided to do what he wanted to do instead of what the prophet said. And you don't want to wind up disobeying God and not doing what God told you to do. Can I get a better amen? So I didn't mean to confuse you and mix the two. I was talking about Saul separate. That you got to realize what hindered him was he allowed his disobedience to God to cause people in his life that shouldn't have been there. James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verse 7. Therefore be what? Therefore be what? So define for me, I've told you many times, define for me what patient means. You're consistent. Patient mean, doesn't mean you just sit down and do nothing, kind of wait around, twiddle your thumbs. No, you're consistent. Be consistent, brethren, until the coming of the good advice. I said good advice. 
See, the problem with a lot of believers, again, all through the history of the church and still today, is this inconsistency with God. I want you to realize this. Every time that you become inconsistent in your walk with God, you just open up a gap for the enemy to take advantage of your life. Inconsistency lies the power. I mentioned that this morning. Gloria Copeland, years ago, the Lord told her that. When you stay consistent in the things of God, you're going to be much stronger as a believer. So he's telling us here clearly that you're to be, you know, consistent, uh, patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. Verse 8, again, you also be what? Patient. Notice this, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is what? It's at hand. Look at number 4. Be patient, consistent, and you will see the Lord give you the fruit of the earth. You're going to see what God promised and told us we would reap in this Life that we're in and even that which is to come, exactly what God promised. So what's a key, therefore, as a little side note, you might want to put on number four here. What's a key to this patience or being consistent? He told you in verse eight. What is it? Establish your heart. What do you mean establish your heart? Set your heart on God and keep it there. Set your heart on God and keep it there. You set your heart on God. I mentioned it this morning. This is so powerful of what we talked about this morning because it relates to the same thing. Setting your heart means this is my focus in life. When I became focused on becoming a professional bull rider, guess what I thought about every day? Bull riding. See, a lot of times people think, well, it's hard for me to renew my mind, think the way God does. It's not if you just think about this simple truth of what God revealed to us this morning. My mind was set on becoming a professional bull rider. So every day, guess what I'm thinking about? Bull riding. Didn't have to work on it. Didn't have to force myself to do it. I'm just thinking about it. You know why? Because that's what I'm focused on. If you establish your heart on God, set your focus on God, guess what you're going to think about? You're going to think about God. And if you think about God, what's that going to lead you to do? Think like God. And if you think like God, what are you going to do? Act like God. Amen. So like the phrase God gave us that I shared with you this morning, to think like God, you got to do what? Think about God. Yes. To think about God, you got to do what? you got to have God as your primary focus in life. Amen? Amen? Yes. If you want to actually think about God, you've got to do what? You've got to make serving God your number one focus in life. If you do, you'll think about Him, and therefore you'll think like Him. So James here clearly says that you can be patient, and you'll see consistent... You'll see the Lord give you the fruit of the earth. So a key to that, establish your heart. Set it on God. Keep it there. In other words, like Scripture says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. Amen. First Timothy. <clears throat> Go over to First Timothy chapter 4. Staying on course. Tell your neighbor, I'm staying on course. Praise God. First Timothy chapter 4. Verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says quite a bit to Timothy, as we know and have studied many times, about things relating to the aspects of dealing with the last days and stuff that we need to be aware of as it relates to us. And this is one of those sets of verses. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. The Spirit expressly says, in the... In the... So you're there. So he's referencing the end times, the latter days. In the last days, latter times, some will depart from the faith. Now, departing from the faith, would that include the possibility of what we call uh, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, denying God? Yeah. But departing from the faith here really is simply not walking out active Christianity. Taught you this many times in the, he in the context of Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. What's faith? Doing what God said. Departing from faith means I'm not going to do what God said anymore. I'm not going to be simply walking out what Scripture teaches. What's going to cause these people in the last days to depart from the faith? Notice, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Giving heed to. Giving heed to. Can these deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons affect me? Not if you don't give heed to them. But in the latter days, some will. Verse 3, these, uh, verse 2, excuse me. These very doctrines of demons are speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. So the very people that are feeding these lies to Christians are themselves those who have seared their heart through with a hot iron. All right? Your conscience. What's your conscience? 
voice of your spirit, man. What do you not want to do <clears throat> so that you can clearly know and follow the leading of God in your life? You do not want to see your conscience through with a hot iron. My conscience is an awareness of my spirit telling me what I need to do or not do, where I need to go, what I shouldn't uh, be going, where I shouldn't be going. Uh, decisions I should make, decisions I should not make. I have a spirit man that will reveal to me through my conscience. You know, a lot of people call it premonition, other stuff, but it's a knowing inside of what I need to do or not do. What happens if I sear my conscience through? Then you're not going to be sensitive to it. You're not going to be aware of what the obvious uh, context of what your spirit is trying to warn you about or tell you about or direct you into is trying to lead you into or lead you away from because your conscience is seared. Now notice what it said. There will be people in the latter days who will obviously depart from the faith. They won't walk out real true obedience to the word of God because they've given heed somehow to what? They've given heed to deceiving spirits and therefore doctrines of demons, teaching of demons. We're not talking about teaching you demonology. I'm not talking about teaching witchcraft here. It's not what we're talking about. Because he goes on and says, these very people who teach these things themselves are what? They are actually speaking the context of what they say in hypocrisy. Notice that phrase in verse 2, speaking lies in hypocrisy, their own conscience seared with a hot iron. So, you know, I've, I've shared this with you many times. As a great example in today's times, there's a lot of, of uh, great, uh, let me back up, not great. There's a lot of very well-known, famous preachers who will tell you, you don't have to repent when you sin anymore because you've been saved by grace. Now, one of these very famous preachers, actually one of our spiritual dads, Dr. Mai, sat down with, he said, so are you teaching this now? Here, you're teaching this now. Well, yeah. He said, uh, what do you do when you sin? He didn't confront him and say, why are you teaching it? He said, what do you do when you sin? Well, he was silent, dead silent. He asked him again. I asked you a question. What do you do when you sin? And eventually he finally spoke up and said, well, I repent. That's verse 2. <clears throat> yeah. Verse 2, speaking lies and hypocrisy. Doctrines of demons are lies of which they themselves don't even adhere to. They're a hypocrite. They say one thing, but they live something else. We only think of that as it relates to sin. But this is talking about doctrines of demons that are reverted even the other way. That they'll tell you something that they say is biblical. Well, you don't have to repent of sin anymore, but guess what they do when they sin? They repent. They don't tell you that. Because guess what you don't want to hear if you want your ears tickled? You don't want to hear I have to repent of sin. Guess what, guess what people who want their ears tickled who want to live in sin love to hear? I don't have to repent of sin. What's repent? I have to turn from it. I don't have to acknowledge it's wrong. I can just keep doing it because I'm saved by grace. That's a doctrine of a demon, folks. That's doctrines of demons. So realize, how does that happen? We give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. All right, on your notes number five, notice this. Do not give heed to or pay attention to seducing or deceiving spirits. So that brings up the next question. How do you not do that? <clears throat> how do you not do that? How do I not give heed to these deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons? Who is, who, is, who is speaking these quote-unquote doctrines of demons? Who's speaking them? Who is speaking them? People are. Ministers are. That's what he's talking about. Right? They're teaching these things that are not biblical, not correct. Amen? So how do I not give heed to it? Stop listening to people whom you don't know. How do you know a false prophet? How do you know any false minister? By their lifestyle, their fruit. What if you don't know them personally? You don't know their fruit. Everybody that comes in this pulpit, we know their fruit. Nobody's allowed. I had a minister the other day from a foreign land say, I'm sending out invitations to all ministers that I know on Facebook. Had I come preach for you, I said, I love you, brother. Appreciate the offer. But no, I don't know you. And we have plenty of ministers who we do know to bring. I'm not going to bring somebody I don't know. Why? It could be a false minister. You don't know them without knowing their fruit. So how do I not fall prey to these deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons? Don't listen to people you should not listen to. If they're not a proven character, right? Like a Billy Graham, an Oral Roberts, proven character, man. Right? A Mark Barclay, a Terry Mize, a Kenneth Hagin. I mean, people who have lived and proven themselves. 
has true, uh, uh, quote-unquote, God, godly men and women who have walked with God. If you, if you don't recognize that about them, you can get caught up into what? Doctrines of demons. And there's more. It's like Pastor said in, in the context of our partner letter we got from him this month. He said, I've never seen so many false doctrines in all my life as a minister until this day. He said, I, there's so many false doctrines going on today. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. And what's amazing is, all of a sudden, as ministers teach this to believers, believers think they know more than other ministers. Because they heard somebody say it, they think that they must be right. But I'll guarantee you what, if they obviously are teaching something false, now you've been deceived as well. So just be aware of who you listen to. That's simple. Back up to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1, 18 and 19. I don't listen to people I don't know, trust. I listened to Roy Hicks because he was one of my dad's, one of my pastor's spiritual dads. Lester Summerall, Wigglesworth stuff, which you can't listen to, but you can find writings of. Hagen, you listen? Terry Mize, Dr. Sutton. I don't listen to stuff that I don't know these people. I want to make sure that I walk in the light of the truth and not allow myself to get deceived or misled. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 Paul said here in chapter 1, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to what? The prophecies. We looked at this in another part of this uh, series, that according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some having suffered concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. What's a good conscience again? A good conscience is I'm not doing things that I know my spirit's telling me not to do, because if I was, I would harden my conscience and therefore I could stray from doing what God says I shouldn't do. But notice the point here on your notes, number six. The prophecies of anything that was ever spoken over you by leadership that you know without a doubt was from God will keep you on course. If you've got prophecies that have been spoken over your life by leadership, you know it's in line with the word, bears witness of my spirit, I know it was God, but it hasn't happened yet, or I know it's a part of my life to be carried out. Guess what? You stick with those prophecies and they'll help keep you on course. Amen? Amen? They'll keep heading you the right direction. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I've had prophetic words spoken over me from the very beginning of my my uh, time frame as a, as a student, learning about the context of what Scripture teaches to become a minister of God, one of the first prophecies I got, this guy, I, wasn't, I didn't have Western boots on, I didn't have nothing Western about me, and this was a very true, uh, knowledgeable prophet of God, very many years in the ministry, and he had a prophecy at a school I was going to called a Mass Road Ministry School over my life. <clears throat> he said, you know a good horse when you see one. He said, not only do you know a good horse when you see one, he said, you recognize and understand the difference between what's right and wrong, clearly. And that's the reason God called you to ministry, because you see things black and white. And that was just confirmation, you're on the right track. Obey your ministry, do what God called you to do. So I've had prophecies from that all the way up even to this time from Pastor Barclay and others that weren't prophecies from them, they were from God, that I had that keep me on track, keep me on course. Amen? And so should you. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. We owe a debt, but not to our fleshly man, to live according to the flesh. Verse 13 says, because if you live according to the flesh, of course you'll die. But if you live by the Spirit, you're going to put to death the deeds of the body. You're going to walk in true life or live. 14. For as many as are what? Led by who? Led by the Spirit of God, underline this, they are, and circle the word sons there, they are sons of God. Now, ladies, you're included in this verse because the phrase sons isn't referring to male or female. The word sons refers to one who depends on another. If you look up the word son, it means one who depends on another. I've told you this for years. In this verse, it means that if you are led by the Spirit of God, what's that mean? God's fathering you. You're depending on Him to father you. If I am being led by God, guess who's fathering me? God is. You could say all day long, God's my father. And from a birth perspective, being born again, he is. Because your spirit originated from him. But to be fathered by him, I mean, you know, like in the natural. In the natural, obviously, somebody could be birthed and they could say, that's my natural father. But that don't mean they fathered him. 
Well, we could say, hey, we're born again. God's my father from the perspective of birth. That's true. But for him to father you, guess what you got to do? You got to follow his leading. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the are those who are being fathered by God. Can I help you? There's nobody better to father you than God. Amen. Nobody. So notice this on your notes. Number seven, you must be led by the Spirit what? So that comes back to listening to what? How am I led by the Spirit? How am I led by the Spirit? Well, let's touch on it for just a moment. Look at the next verse, 15. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. So you got a new spirit in you, but there's no fear in him. You did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out what? Watch this, 16. The spirit himself, underline it please, bears witness with our, underline that phrase. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, in this case, that we're children of God. See, God rarely leads you by a word. He, very, he rarely leads you by speaking to your spirit. Well, I just wished I could hear from God. See, a lot of people, it's kind of like what Brother Hagin used to say, a lot of people are looking for the spectacular and missing the supernatural. What's the spectacular? I want a word from God. That's kind of the spectacular to know you've heard from God. But you're still missing the supernatural. Do you know just following this inward witness leading you in your decisions is supernatural. There's nothing natural about it. Because the Holy Spirit's not natural. Neither is your spirit, man. And you can be walking in this life supernatural by simply following that inward witness of the Holy Spirit. So that inward witness, and that's a whole other subject in itself, is kind of what Brother Hagin used to talk about. How's God, God showed him the difference between a green light and a red light. If I have a green light in my, in my spirit, I have this inner absolute knowing. We call it a peace. We've got to be careful because they're not talking about peace in your soul. But it's just a, they're, they're just a security in your spirit, a peace as you're going this direction to know this is right. But what if you're not going the right direction? All of a sudden, there'll be an agitation in your inner man. There'll be an agitation. Be, it just won't feel, I mean, I, I hate to use the word feel. We've got to be careful here. But we're talking about your spirit man. Something inside you is not uh, comfortable right now. It's agitated. Amen? That's how you learn to be led by the Spirit. But what if in the context of my daily life, I'm not just doing basic things my conscience is dealing with me on. I ignore it. Then you're not going to be led by the Holy Spirit because you're already not listening to your spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit's going to bear witness with who? Your spirit. How's your spirit going to reveal to the rest of your man what you need to do? Your conscience. So your conscience, the voice of your spirit, that's how you're going to know. But obviously, you need to make sure, therefore, again, you're not hardening your heart by not walking in relationship to honoring your spirit, man. Example, if you, and I can't even tell you how many times I've done this, and, and I, I would just, you know, beat myself up over it. And then the Lord said, stop doing that, because that ain't going to get you anywhere. Just acknowledge what you did wrong and correct it. But I can't tell you how many times in conversations I've started into saying something, and I just, in my spirit, I just knew I don't need to say anything, but I did anyway. Now, I know you've never done that. None of you ever done that. Just your pastor. But there's been many times in a conversation where, well, what's that got to do with anything? Everything. Because if I'm not listening to my spirit who's trying to shut me up, then I'm going to harden my heart towards my inner man. If I keep violating that and keep doing that on will, choosing to deny it, guess what? I'm going to harden my heart. Well, that, what's going to happen with the Holy Spirit's bearing witness with my spirit? By the way, if your heart's hardened, it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit stopped bearing witness with your spirit. No. He keeps bearing witness with your spirit. Problem is, you've hardened your heart to the voice of your spirit. You don't know it. I love something. Pastor shared it again at an Amarillo Holy Spirit conference. Talked about being spiritual. This goes right along with it. I'm telling you, on 9-11, every believer, God was just shouting at the top of his lungs sort of the spirit man into their spirit man not to go there. There are many testimonies. There are so many testimonies. Pastor knows people personally who called him and said, Doc, you got to hear this testimony. I was on my way to work and God told me, God, the, I, I don't mean like a voice. I just mean I had this urgency to pull over to this little donut shop and I don't even eat donuts. 
And I had this urgency for something in me telling me, stop and get a coffee and a donut. And he thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't even eat donuts. And then he said it got really stern. And so I pulled over and I stopped and I got a coffee and I got some donuts. And just as I did, I looked up and there was a TV monitor and the first plane hit the building right on the floor where I work. What if I would have not listened to that inward witness? He'd have been on that floor. Now, a lot of people say, but what about all the believers that died? Let me help you. They were not listening to their conscience way before that day ever happened. They had not learned to listen to their conscience way before that day ever happened. And because they'd hardened their heart to their conscience, guess what they could not do? Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Don't tell me. I love what Roy Hicks says about this. And not talking about 9-11, he talks about relationship to any type of a, of a crash or any type of situation where somebody dies as a believer. He said, you're never going to convince me. God, who knows everything and loves everybody, is not sitting back, not warning people. He's trying. But many Christians are oblivious to it. And because they are, guess what happens? They miss the leading of God. Now, some can take that to the opposite end of the ditch, and all of a sudden, it's like, should I walk in this store or shouldn't I? I mean, it's like every little thing is like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I don't know if I really feel good about this or not. Well, is that really your spirit saying that, or are you just off in your mind? Now you're afraid to go anywhere. You understand? We've got to be careful with that. But I'm telling you, pastor had a guy in his church who was driving down one of their, their uh, highways, and he said, I had this, this sense to pull off to the side of the road. But he said, I'm, no, I'm going to be late for work. I don't have time to stop. I need to keep going. And sometimes God, if you're, if you're obviously in tune enough with God, Amen. he will speak to you. Amen. And he said, man, he said, it's like I heard this voice, pull over now. And he said, I felt the wheels start turning. So I turned and I pulled. And right when I did, a semi-tractor trailer that he did not see had jackknife and was coming down the highway, down the, the interstate he was on sideways. He said, it just clipped the edge of my mirror on my truck as I was pulling off the road. If I wouldn't have pulled off, Pastor, it would have taken me out. It took out all kinds of cars and killed a bunch of people that day. And you know what? I would have been one of the ones dead that day. And people would have thought, our God failed another believer that died early. No, he didn't. I said, no, he didn't. Tell your neighbor, God's never failed anybody. What's the problem? A lot of us are not just listening to that daily inward witness when it comes to, hey, you know what you're about to have come out of your mouth right now? And your spirit's saying, "Uh uh-uh, you better obey that. I said, you better obey that. Come on, somebody. You start getting a little wrong attitude. And your spirit's dealing with you, okay, you better deal with it. Because if you don't, it can literally cost you in the long run in ways that you don't want it to cost you. You want to stay the course. Say it. I want to stay the course. So what do you got to do? Seven, you got to be led by the Spirit. What? All times. All times. Psalm 1. You know, we've done teachings on all this stuff. But you've got to learn how to be led by your Spirit, which is how you receive direction from the Holy Spirit. Because as the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit, can I, can I throw one other thing out there real quick? You should, be, you should be progressively working at learning how to listen for the Holy Spirit. So don't just make decisions and think, well, the Holy Spirit didn't say anything. He might have been trying. Did you ever ask him? Did you ever even stop to ask God, should, what should I do here? Amen. Right? Just to begin, because again, relationship with God, God knows everything. So if you're walking along with your best friend who knows far more than you do, wouldn't it be better to start asking him about decisions you make before you make them? Things you do before you do them? Psalms 1. Psalms 1 verse 1. Blessed is the man. Say blessed. Blessed is the man who what? Walks not, not in the counsel of who? The ungodly. Nor stands in the path of sinners. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Coming back to that. But his delight is in what? What's his delight in? What does he delight himself in? What delights him? Law of the Lord. Now the word law here refers in the context of the actual Hebrew to God's teachings. This would include the actual law itself, but it doesn't really directly speak of what we know as the Levitical law. It's more about God's teachings. What does he delight in? The teachings of the Lord. And in his teachings, what does he do, church? Tell me what he does. Tell me what he does. Meditates day and night. You want to be blessed? Better start meditating in the Word day and night. 
Watch this. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season. Listen to this. Whose leaf also shall not wither. Whose leaf also shall not what? Shall not what? And whatever he does shall. You know what that's referring to? Why would he tell us your leaf will not wither and whatever you do shall prosper? See, even in a time of famine, you'll still be producing. The only thing that would cause a leaf to wither is a time of famine. So it don't matter what's going on. The one who's walking in the light of this council, guess what? Don't matter what's happening right now in our economy. I said it doesn't matter. If I'm walking in the light of God's council, I will continue to prosper. Say it, I will continue to prosper. Why? Because you're obeying the Lord's counsel. Number eight, I'm going to come back to this. Number eight, you must be very cautious. Very cautious whom you are listening to and who is speaking into your life. Very cautious. Notice the three things that he referred to here in verse 1 as I said I would come back to. I'm not going to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Guess who I should not be going to for godly counsel? People that are not qualified, anointed, and gifted by God to give me godly counsel. Now, there's nothing wrong with as a baby Christian learning from other believers that have already been there, done that, and learned from their pastor or their leadership that can help you. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about just going, people. Here's what you don't ever want to do. And as much as I say it, it's hard not to do it from the natural point. You don't want to go get counsel for the purpose of trying to get somebody to agree with you. If my whole goal to go get counsel is to get somebody to agree with me, I'm going to find somebody to say what I want them to say. So if somebody doesn't say what I want them to say, I'm going to find somebody that will. And guess what you're going to do? You're going to get ungodly counsel. I want to know what does God say about this? Whether I like it or not, which in the natural I won't if it's obviously going against what my flesh wants. Like it or not, I want to hear what God has to say. So number one, the counsel of the ungodly is going to people who themselves are not walking out what God says. If, why would I go listen to somebody who's violating their walk with God? Who themselves won't submit to leadership. And I'm going to go get counsel from them? That don't even make sense. You listening? So don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Two, don't stay in the path of sinners. What's that mean? You don't hang out with sinners doing what sinners do. If you're going to have a sinner get around you at all, which we are to reach sinners with the gospel, guess what? If they want to be around me, they're going to do what I want them to do. I don't go stand in the pathway of a sinner. I don't go do what a sinner wants to do to hang out with a sinner to witness to him. Jesus didn't do that. I hear people say all the time, well, Jesus went and he sat and had dinner with sinners, but they weren't sinning when he was having dinner with them. You listening? They weren't there doing things they shouldn't do. They were there to hear what he had to say. So I got no problem with sinners that want to come and learn from us and understand and grow and, and get a knowledge of understanding of what salvation's about and what God offers them. But we don't go stand in the path of sinners. Meaning what? We don't go hang around and do stuff that sinners want to do. And when they're doing sin, that's when, especially when we not, should, should not be around them. Amen. And the last one, you don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Meaning what? This gets into slander, gossip. Don't get into the seat of the scornful, meaning what? If you start listening to other people that are slandering other people, guess what they're going to do when they leave you, by the way? And on top of that, guess what they're going to lead you into doing? Slandering other people. Been there, done that. It's not good, never is. And it's hurtful to you and hurtful to them. So be careful who you let speak into your life. Amen? Amen. Hebrews 13. Say, praise the Lord. What are we going to do? Stay on course. Tell your neighbor, we're staying on course. course. Hebrews 13. Praise the Lord. 13.7. Hebrews 13.7. Remember those, remember those who rule over you. So remember means to take note of. How can you remember something you don't take note of? Take note of those who rule over you, who are in a position of leadership in your life. Because this word rule really is not a good word, even in the context of the English language today as it relates to leadership. It almost sounds like I'm ruling over. These leaders rule over it. That's not what they, they, I love what Pastor says. If you look up this word, it means they hold the standard up. So like a a rule is a standard. You You understand that? 
Like all that leaders are supposed to do is hold the standard up. Say, this is God's standard. This is how we live to walk in success as a child of God. I'm not ruling over you. I'm holding up the standard and saying, this is what God says. So we're to remember those who do this over us and have spoken the word of God to us. We're supposed to remember those who have spoken the word of God to us. Notice, whose faith what? Follow. Considering the outcome of their conduct. This is why, again, I should look at my leaders and say, are they living out a life that clearly is proof and evidence that they have honored God's word in their life and it has definitely changed them to the degree you can see evidence that's happened? If that's true, then I can follow them. Verse 8, notice, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you don't want leaders that are up and down, up and down, up and down. You want leaders that are consistent like Jesus who consistently do the same thing. 17, same chapter, down in verse 17. Obey those. Therefore, do what? Obey those, again, who rule over you. In other words, they hold up the standard. Now, holding up the standard over you again doesn't mean to make you feel belittled. No, it's to say this is what we're supposed to live like. So it says to obey those who rule over you and be submissive because they watch out for what? What are they watching out for? Your souls, as those who must give an account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. How do you make it a grief for those who have a position of leadership over your life in relationship to the responsibility with you? You're not obedient to the word. If you obey the word, your leadership's going to have no problem with you, and you're going to walk out a good life. But when you choose not to receive correction from leadership, you, you choose to reject, therefore, the protection... God has for you. I'll say that again. When you choose not to receive the correction from leadership God has in your life, you choose to reject the protection God has for you. Because we're back to my point earlier. If I'm deceived, do I know it? So how do I get out of deception? I got to submit to higher leadership that can take me to the word of God and say, this is what God's word says and this is why you're where you are because you're not doing what the Bible said. Let me tell you why your marriage is where it is because this is what the marriage says you're supposed to do and that's not what you're doing. If you do what the Bible says you're supposed to do in your marriage, it works. I'm a testament. I'm a testament. I'm a testimony to that. If you do what the Bible says to do with your money, guess what? It works. If you do what the Bible says in relationship to guarding your ears and what you listen to, guess what? It works. If you do what the Bible says in relationship to how you're supposed to live out your life as a believer on the planet, guess what? It works. So if you will obey those who rule over you, they're watching out for your soul. And that means God's going to use them even in messages he brings to you to bring correction in areas that you need to still make adjustments. Guess what I got in Amarillo? Little adjustments. Nothing major. But every time I sit under my leadership, I get little adjustments. Did you get any, Kathy? I I always get these little adjustments. Yep, that's right. I need to work on that. Yep, I need to get back to doing that. I need to change that. Because God knows in this life, it's like flying a plane somewhere. You always have to adjust to stay on course. Or a ship trying to get to another continent. You got to constantly, because guess what the winds and waves are trying to do? Push it off course. Amen. So you're always making these adjustments. And if you stay submitted to leadership, you're not going to have a problem. Number nine, submit to and follow those who have spoken the word of God to you. Last one, James 4, right next door. Turn over to James chapter 4. He's knocking on the door. Just open the door and turn to James 4. And all that rhymes. For some reason, (laughs) James chapter 4, 4, 8. I love these verses. Draw near to God and he will do what? What's one of the the key ways we draw near to God? Conversation with him. Talking to him. What we call prayer. Prayer is communication. Draw near to God and he will do what? So here's another way you can say that. Speak to God and take time to listen and guess what he'll do? Speak to you. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify you hearts, you double-minded. The first part of verse 8 is the key. Number 10 on your notes. Prayer is the adhesive that keeps you what? Plugged into God. Because if you draw near to God and stay close to him, guess what he's going to do? He's going to stay close to you. When people say, I feel far from God, number one, is that really true that God is far from you? Where's he at? He's living inside every one of us. Why do we feel that way? Because we're not fellowshipping with him. We've just drawn away from our fellowship. So in reality, if we're feeling far from God, it's just because that's an indication. I'm not spending time talking to him like I should. All throughout my day, enjoying that fellowship. Amen.
pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.